Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. Today is 02022020. And if you turn it around, it's 02022020. Yeah, it, it goes both directions today. It's a weird day. 900 years we've been waiting on this. It's so exciting. Just thought I had to bring that up because it only happens once every 900 years. And I don't know if I'll be around for the next one. So, you know, I thought I'd probably throw that out there for you. Um, it's good to be together, and uh, man, I had a good time this morning in, in Sunday school with the, with the youth. I liked that. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. I hope they did, but if they didn't, I did, so just throwing it out there. So, Kids are awesome. Looking forward to hearing how things go over there. Um, we've been looking at First Peter, and I want to get back there with you in just a moment. I want to just start off this by saying a few things that I think that will help us. First of all, I believe that most people don't really know who they are. I think that most of us sitting here, we know our name, we know, you know where we live, we got that part. I'm not saying that, but I think we're unclear on our identity as people, how much we're really cared for, how much God really loves us. And I think too much of the time, too many times, we let our lives become identified by our past sins and our past mistakes. Anybody here tracking with me on that? You know, we let the things that have happened in the past, the things that we did, the things that we didn't do, that one is a big one too, the things we didn't do become a problem for us. Or even sometimes the successes we've had in the past that aren't happening now, we get kind of bothered by those kind of things. Another thing we do is we track um, our identity by what we do for a living. Like especially men, that's a real problem for most of us men. Because as soon as we meet, I mean, the first thing I do is, hey, Jim, how you doing? Hey, what do you do for a living? That's the first thing we do because we're identifying ourselves. That's how we get our value. At least that's how we think we get our value. And our, so most of us see, as a result of that, most of us see ourselves as pretty small and inconsequential in the world, in the scope of things. We really don't see our value. We don't see how much we're really loved we don't really get that. We just don't get the big picture of our place in the world. We don't fully understand who we are in the kingdom of God. And there's a, there's a difference between who we are in the world that we live in and who we are in the kingdom of God. And, and I don't think most people understand their place in the heart and the mind of God. I asked the youth this morning, who's God in your life right now? It's a question I've been asking a lot of people at this point in time. Who is God to you? And, and a lot of us just don't really understand our place in the kingdom of God and in his heart. And see, I believe who you are really matters. I really do. I've come to understand this. I don't think I understood this until maybe a few years ago or a year or two ago in, in the way that I needed to. I don't think I really got this until later on. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just slow and a little bit you know, behind, but, but I wonder about most people, do you really understand who you are? Because how you look and see yourself really does change how you live and how you see the world that you live in. And the reality is, is most of us look at who we are through the eyes of the spirit and the values of this world rather than through the eyes of our father. And so I love what God is showing me in this passage this morning, 
because I think he's using this passage to help me see what I mean to him. I want to know what I mean to him and who I am in relationship to him in his world. And I want to share that with you because I believe knowing who you are and what you mean to God will help you to thrive and not just survive in 2020. This is the last series in this, uh, last sermon in this series, and next week we're going to talk a series called Vows, and uh, it's going to do with your marriage vows as well as with other vows, and I'm going to be talking about what vows mean, but, and vows, V-O-W-S, not V-O-W-E-L-S, like English teachers, vows. So just so you make sure you understand that. So, but it, I think this is key to how to know how to thrive and not just survive. So when I see who I really am through the eyes of God and what he's done for me, it changes me. So I want to start off by reminding you in 1 Peter, Peter is writing a letter to persecuted people. They're being persecuted. They are being kicked out of their homes. They're being uh, made fun of. They're being beaten. They're being tortured. They're being told they can't do certain things. They're being trying to be forced into a situation. I've never been persecuted that I know of. I think you'd know that if it happened, but I was bullied in school. Um, I know that bullying and persecution can make you feel like you're junk. It can make you feel inferior and like a broken person. It can depress you. Every day in my seventh grade year, I went to school, and there was this kid named Jeff Baker. And Jeff Baker was three years ahead of us in age and in the same grade. He shaved in seventh grade. And drove to school. <laughs> and every day he would show up and threaten to beat me up. He called me some of the most awful names. I had never heard some of the words he used until he used them on me. I didn't even know what they meant. I had to go home and find out what they even meant because of some of the things he was saying to me. And he always had a gang of boys who would hang with him. They were really weak, but at the time I didn't understand that. And they were afraid of him, so they hung with him and they laughed at everything that he did. And they took it out on me. And they, every day, would get me in a corner. And every day he'd either threaten to hit me or he'd punch me. And it was all at my expense. I hated seventh grade. I hated feeling like I was no good. I hated feeling weak. I hated feeling like I was on the outside looking in. And most of all, I hated Jeff Baker. And that's where these people are today that Peter is writing to. They're tired of persecution. They are tired of feeling like they're not important. They're tired of feeling second class. They feel like they've been forgotten and they're getting depressed. They've allowed Satan to make them feel like they're not important, like God has completely forgotten who they are. And the truth is, the reality is, they just don't know who they really are and whose they really are. So Peter's coming to them, and he's using some images, some pictures that would help us understand and help us grasp who they were, but also help us grasp who we are to God. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 10 is where I want you to look at, and I'm not going to go through and read the whole thing right now, I'm just going to read it in sections and talk about each section. And it starts off like this, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious to him. And I'm reading out the NIV this morning, and I probably didn't tell you that, Rich, so thank you for putting it up there, and I'm sorry I probably told you wrong on that. But as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans and chosen by God and precious to him, as you come to Jesus, 
you got to understand this. Jesus was alive. He was an actual human, and he experienced the rejection and the same persecution you're going through right now. He experienced everything that you could possibly experience that you're experiencing this moment. He perfectly understands who you are and what you're going through, and he gets how you feel and how you're feeling right now, like being cast aside, not worth anything, like junk, like something cast on the scrap heap of life. Jesus is one who was cast aside. The Bible says he was rejected by the world. But the difference is, Jesus knew who he was. He knew his identity. He understood who he was. He knew to look at himself, not through his own self, but through his Father's eyes. He knew that God saw him differently than the world did. And he knew God saw him as one who was chosen. He knew he was the chosen one, and one selected by God. And he knew he was chosen, not as one who was chosen because I can't afford anything else, or because she'll do, or because it's all I can get. In 1979, I bought my first car that I ever bought myself. It was a 1969 Delta 88 Oldsmobile four doors, lime green with a green, dark green vinyl top. It had red spots all over it from primer that the guy had put on there to stop the rust. The interior, and Darcy can testify to this, she met me when I had this car. She dated me anyway. It wasn't the car, guys. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> The interior, the seats were ripped, and the guy had hauled parts in there, and they were all grease-stained. I cleaned them as best I could, but they were nasty. I bought the car because he sold it to me for $50. <laughs> it ran good. It drove great. The speedometer didn't work, but everything else seemed to be pretty much intact, and so I bought it because he sold it to me for $50. It's all I had. It's all I could afford. That's not how God chose Jesus. He chose him not because he was just good enough, but he chose him because he was who he wanted. He was the chosen one. He was one who was precious to God. He was God's first choice. He was God's best choice. God never said to Jesus, you will do. He never said, you're good enough. God never said, I have to settle for you. God loves Jesus. He honors Jesus. He chose him as his own. Peter says this, and here's the part I want you to hear this morning. Get this. If you don't get anything else, you got to get this. Peter says, you also like living stones. So what does that mean? You also Look at the word, you also. These two words are vital this morning. These two words place us in the same place with Jesus in this way. You also means you also like Jesus. So what God did for Jesus, he's doing in your life. What God did in Jesus, he's doing in you. So as Jesus was, so are you. So you also were rejected by the world like Jesus was. You also were cast off by the world like Jesus was was you also are not the most popular guy or girl like jesus was you also are not part of the crowd like jesus wasn't you're also seen as no value by the world like jesus was seen but you were also chosen by god like jesus in peter's day they didn't build with bricks like we do they didn't have those brick squares or 
rectangles that, that we use today, but they picked up stones and they joined them one on top of the other with some sort of mortar. So Peter's picture is God coming over to the rock pile and picking up a rock and saying, this one is what I need right here and bringing it over. He checks out the shape. He looks at the cracks. He examines it carefully. He's building a wall. He's building a a temple and he's building a rock wall. No cookie cutter, one size bricks for everything. He looks at the size. He looks at the cracks. He looks at the color differences and he saw that you were on the cast off pile and he saw that you were discarded by the world and Jesus said, you're perfect. I choose you. I don't know about you, but that should have just gotten me a big amen right there. That was amazing. That is good stuff right there. He chose you. He picked you up, not as one who's just good enough. No, he picked you up because he saw you, and he saw the person he created you to be, and he saw that you would be just what he needed. He saw that you would fit right where he needed you to fit. He knew exactly where you would fit in and shine. He saw your love. He saw you not like the world sees you, but he saw you as he made you to be. And he loved you. He admires you. He looks at his work and he said, man, look at that person. Look at that lady. I made her like that. Look at that man. I made him. The world looks at you and says, man, they're a dork. And he says, no, they're awesome. He took you for his own use. He chose you for a place of honor and purpose. He chose you to be placed in the temple being made for his dwelling. Look at the next part down there in the scriptures. It says you are chosen and selected and being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. You're just what God needed to build his dwelling place. Only the best would do and you were it. You're exactly what God wanted. You fit his scheme perfectly. He picked you up and he's using you to build his permanent dwelling place on earth forever. You're priceless. You're irreplaceable in God's sight. You're not a messed up, useless person, no matter what people tell you. You have a place. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. And it's so important that you and I get this. You know, we're always hearing these words that beauty's in the eye of the beholder. And the world is forever telling us that you only count if you have beauty or talents or you can do certain things. And oh man, we have seen that this week, haven't we? Unfortunately, very tragically, that helicopter went down last week, last Sunday, and killed a famous basketball player, Kobe Bryant, man to be admired by many, and his daughter. And you know their names. Kobe Bryant, if I said that name right now, everybody goes, oh yeah. But can you name the other seven who died with him? Because see, they're not important in the world's eyes. Only Kobe was because of what he gave the world. He could shoot baskets. And I'm a big sports fan, but see, that's not really his value. The world wants to make that his value, but that's not really his value. God doesn't look at him that way. He isn't looking at you that way. 
He doesn't look at what you can offer. He doesn't care whether you're a good painter or a good artist. He's made you that, and that's good, and he wants you to use it, but that's not why he loves you. He's not looking at you and saying, well, you're a banker, and so you'll work, and we can use you at the church. That's not what he's doing at all. He doesn't care about that. He doesn't care if you're a good leader. He doesn't care if you have very little talent. And everybody says, they just don't do much, do they? All he knows is that he created you just like you are, and you matter to him. He doesn't see you the way the world does. In fact, God looks just the opposite. It's, it's he sees things in reverse or backwards. Think about this. The rich matter to the world, but Jesus said it's blessed to be poor. And, you know, it's not necessarily poor financially, but poor in our spirits so that, so that we're not trying to do everything ourselves and make it all work out ourselves, but know that we have to trust in him. Blessed are the poor. And he says the powerful matter, the world says the powerful matter, and Jesus said you're blessed if you're meek. That's just backwards. And the world tells you, uh, uh, the world holds you up and they see this, uh, an old rock, kind of like this right here, an old rock. Everybody can see this, just an old rock. And that's how the world looks at you, and that's what they see, this old rock, and then God looks at you and he sees this, a precious diamond. Now, I know it's not a precious diamond, but imagine it is. I couldn't afford to buy that, you know? It was a little out of my pay raise, you know, my pay grade to buy that one. So I got the costume one, you know. And, but, but that's how God sees you. He sees you as the diamond, not as the, as the rock. He sees you as precious, not as just something I'm going to throw away here in a few minutes. Toss out on the heap outside. I took it off somewhere out there. I'll find it and put it back. Somebody probably using it for a doorstop. I stole your doorstop. But the point is, is that's not how God sees you. He sees you like this. A precious diamond. See, the big problem is that too often when we look at ourselves, we agree with the world and we see the old worthless rock. How many times have you said that about yourself? I'm not worth much. Nobody really wants to see me. We act like we're humble when we say that, by the way. That's not what that means. It means you're not seeing things clearly. You're important. God says you're important. Most people can tell you all their faults. Have you ever noticed that about people? They're very self-deprecating. They love to tell you all their faults. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I know I, I'm kind of that guy that says things that shouldn't when I shouldn't. I mean, it's just, you know, and, well, yeah, I don't always do that. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's how we look at ourselves. They can tell you all the places they've messed up. Yeah, I messed up. My kids, oh, yeah, I did that and I did this. They're really good at telling you all those things. They can tell you about all their failures. You and I, we need to change that. We need to begin to look through the lens God sees us through. We need to allow Him to show us who we are. To Him, to Him, you and I, we are the person He made us to be. He loves you. He created you like you are on purpose. You are no accident. It's not like, oh, she's this, and oh, you know, God, you know, there are no throwaways. No casts off. We are truly precious to him. God doesn't look at how you dress or if you can shoot a basketball or sing. God sees you as he made you. You're one of his precious children. He gave the life of his son Jesus just for you. Back to the scripture. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this is talking to us, this stone is precious, but, those who do not, uh, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become 
the cornerstone, the most important stone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. Here's the deal. God loves to take the things that seem less to the world. See, he loves to take the things that everybody else says doesn't matter. He loves to take those cast-off stones. He loves to take those things that the world has set aside. He loves to take that which seems less to the world and to the world's powerful, and he loves to use those to accomplish his goals and purpose. In fact, Paul said it this way, it's in my weaknesses that his strength becomes perfect. God loves to take the rejected stone and make it into the cornerstone in his temple. He loves to take the discarded and the forgotten. He loves to take the broken and the damaged and the weak. And he loves to take the terminally flawed. And he loves to take those weak and the persecuted and the bullied. And he loves to make them into the cornerstone in which he builds his kingdom. God loves to set people like you and me up as powerful in the kingdom of God. I don't think you understand that. I don't think you believe that this morning, but you need to start believing that. He loves to make us who he fills with his Holy Spirit and presence so that the world who has rejected and laughed at us and bullied us now stumbles over us. So I told you I was bullied in the seventh grade. Well, fast forward to about two years or a year or so into college. I had a girl that I was dating in Anderson University and I was home for the weekend and I was going to go over and say hi to her and see her. So I'm driving over and I needed gas in my car. It wasn't that car. I hadn't bought that one yet. So I'm driving over there in my dad's car to do that. And I pulled into the gas station, the Swifty station that was right there on 8th Street, or 10th Street. I pulled in. And back then they pumped your, or they'd come out. And remember how they, they would have to turn the, the thing to reset the pump so the station guy would run out to do that. So I pulled in and I start to get out of my car and I look and guess what? Jeff Baker is coming out to reset the pumps. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Because I looked at Jeff Baker. He's this little bitty punk, about so tall. Just a skinny, scrawny little dude. Didn't have anything. By now, I'm six foot two. I weigh 240 pounds at that point. I've been playing football in college. And I'm going, oh, this is going to be so much fun. And I got out of my car, and I walked over there, and he sees me, and he just about died. He, he, he gulps, and he goes, can I pump your gas for you? It, it, no, it's on me. It's on me. I didn't, I didn't take it. I, I paid. I did let him pump and wash my windows and, and, and anything else I could think of to let him do. But, you know, the point is, the point is, when I ran into him, I was in college. He was a pitiful little runt. When I looked at myself from the worldly perspective in seventh grade, he looked like a giant. I looked like the runt. I looked like junk. I looked like I was unusable, not worth much. But that wasn't true. I couldn't see myself for who I was going to become and what I was. All I could see was what was broken, what wasn't working at the time. When I look at myself and I see myself like God sees me, I see the precious stone. That's why it's so important for you to begin to see yourself the way that God sees you. The world's going to continue to tell you that this isn't true. It's going to continue to tell you that that's a joke, that you're a mess. 
but you're not. You're his chosen. You're his precious chosen ones. He sees the perfect stone to incorporate into his kingdom so that you are with him forever in the temple that he's going to dwell in. But you're a chosen people. The Bible goes on and says, you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. And you've got to get this. You and I, we are chosen people. We've been chosen by God, hand-picked. We're a royal priesthood, royal priesthood. God has picked us to serve as his representatives that's what the priesthood does they represent god in fact it goes like this if you look at the word representative it says represent in there to represent god to the world every day is the call on your life and on mine that's our job that's why he's created us that's why he's made us that's why he's chosen us we aren't supposed to just walk around and then look at our own lives we are to represent god to the world every day for the rest of our lives we are a royal priesthood I love that. To bless the world. You're here at the world to bless the world. Did you know that? You're not here just to have your own way and do your own thing. You're here to bless the world. You're here to heal the sick. Do you know that? That, that is the call upon our lives. You know what? The Bible doesn't say uh, that's for preachers. It never says that. It says it's part of the royal priesthood, and that's you and me, all of us. We're to go out. So when you see somebody sick, you, know, you just go over to them and you say, you mind? I, I just want to pray for you. God, God wants me to represent him here today. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to pray for you. You're here to see the blind made able to see again because that's what Jesus did. You're to make the lame walk again. You're to make whole those who are brokenhearted. You're to set the captives free. You're to declare the praise of God. That's our calling. That's what you're here on earth for. Those are the purposes of our earth. Not, not just to work and make money and watch the Super Bowl tonight. I'm going to watch the Super Bowl tonight. I don't know if anybody else is. Kansas City's going to win. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Just declaring it right now. And uh, I'm, I'm good with that. If the Bears or the Colts can't win it, then it might as well be Kansas City. So it's good. But, but, but I'm going to tell you something. That's not why I'm here on earth. I'm here on earth to declare the praises of God. That's why I love singing those worship courses. You know, I, I tell you what I've, got to, I've been doing at home. On YouTube, you can pull up almost any of those courses. I don't know if you knew that or not. But you go on there and you put it in there in YouTube. And I've been doing it. And I, I, I stream TV, so I got that on my TV. And I, I've got a Roku, you know, and I just bring it up. And I put that on there and I turn on the surround sound and I crank it up. And I just declare the praises of God on a regular basis because, you know what, I need to do that. Because I'm going to tell you something. Man, sometimes in the middle of the week, it feels like I'm junk. Sometimes Satan is convincing me that I'm in trouble, that I'm broken, and like it's all over, and you're going to, you're just going to die, and everybody hates you anyway. I, I mean, I'm a little messed up. I realize that, but when you get bullied, bullied like I did in seventh grade, you know, you got excuses, so, you know. But the reality is, is that man, when I turn those on, Satan has to flee. Man, it just changes the atmosphere in my heart. It's not just in my house. It's not just around me, but inside me. Something begins to change, and I see myself for what I am. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the lion who walks around by himself and kind of growls a little bit until something scares him. But then when the 
big group of lions get around, he's not scared anymore. He's not afraid anymore. That's what we're supposed to do. We're priests. The royal priesthood. That means we are the priesthood who represents God. We stand as the representation, the representers of God, of Christ to the world. We do what Christ did. We are a people who are marked by the Holy Spirit and clearly branded as belonging to Him, not to this world. We were once wanderers in the darkness. We were once a stone cast to the side of the road with no purpose. We were once those who were without value. We were once... Nothing, but now we're a people. We are now His chosen people. We now belong to the called and beloved people of God Himself. We had once received no mercy. We were lost and without hope. But now we have received the mercy of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we're going to take communion in a few minutes. And we're going to receive His blood and His body. And we're going to be reminded that all this is happening and all this is about him and what he did for us and it's going to join our hearts together like he's talking about here. So if we're going to thrive and not just survive in 2020, we have to change. We have to change how we see ourselves because nothing's going to work until we begin to change the way we look at ourselves. I'm telling you right now, if you continue on looking at yourself as a piece of junk or something that's broken on the side of the road is not really mattering that much to God, then you're in trouble. You're not going to move forward. You want to know why your spiritual growth is stunted? Because you're looking at yourself wrong. Because you don't understand who you are. Because you need to look in the mirror. Only you need to look in the mirror through God's eyes and see who you really are. We have to change how we see our church. We're not just a group of people who gather to gather and go here because, well, it's just the only place we go. That's not what this is. We gather together as the priesthood of believers, as the royal priesthood of people who believe. And we gather together to make the difference in the world that we live in. But you know what? We can't change how we see our church until we change how we see ourselves we got to change us. And we've got to change how we see others around us. Because right now I can tell you something. If you're looking around you and you're saying, well, I am chosen by God, but <laughs> not him, you're in trouble. These are God's chosen best. And you're all different shapes, sizes, looks, talents, gifts, and all that other stuff. And he's building you together into the temple that he wants to dwell in. Along with all the other beautiful, wonderful churches that are a part of our city. I love it. And our world. We've got to get rid of the glasses of Hollywood and CNN and Fox News and even the American dream. They're, they're just ruining and polluting our minds. They reflect the way the world values you. They reflect the world's values of people around you. They cause us to see people as objects and discardable. You have to start looking at ourselves and looking at others and seeing what God sees. And I don't believe you can look at the world like God does and abort a baby. Those are his kids. I don't think you can look at the world the way that God does and discard a human being and not feed them. That's his daughter. 
You can't look at the world the way God does and say they're not important. They're his chosen. I'm chosen. I'm precious. You're precious. We are part of his holy, royal priesthood. You and I, we've received mercy. Once we get this, once we understand who we are, once we deal with all the lies that we have believed, once we realize how valuable we are, we can begin to see the value in all those around us. We can begin to love each other the way that God loved us. I know that goes on in our heads, and I know that in our heads, most of you would say, well, I get that. But here's the problem. It's got to go from here down to here. It just has to. This has to become a fire in our hearts. This needs to become a fire that burns in your heart. That God loves me so much. You've got to truly begin to believe this. You've got to come to understand I'm chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says I am. That song when we sing it, you know, it's a cool song, but it's a lot more than a song. It's the truth. I am who I am because he says I am. That's it. Father, this morning, I pray that somehow this message would begin to sink into our hearts. That it would not be just about, well, we heard a message and yeah, I know I'm okay. You know, I've heard that before, but that we would let it sink into our hearts that we are your chosen beloved, that we matter to you more than we can even begin to even think. God, right now, we're going to receive your supper. You told us to do this whenever we are together. And as often as we do this to remember you and to remember what you did. And as I look into this beautiful crowds faces lord i'm reminded of all the things all the differences even in this small group all the differences that exist here and like this rock you're taking us and giving us a place and you choose us and so lord as we take communion together as we choose to dip our hand in the bowl with you. Join our hearts one to another. Knit our hearts together with you and with each other. Through the precious and beautiful blood of Jesus Christ, which has been shed for you and for me, for the forgiveness of sin, and so that we have hope for an eternity. Jesus, we love you. And we accept what you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On the night of, before his death, Jesus spoke to his disciples as they were eating together. And he took a loaf of bread and he broke it in two. And he passed it around and he said, take and eat this. This is my body which is broken for you. And then he took a cup of wine, juice in our time here, and he held it up and he said, drink, this is my blood 
which is shed for the forgiveness of sin. And he invited all of us to do it together. Right now, it is for all who believe. If you do not believe, my prayer is, is that as you consider this, that you would receive the body of Christ and the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, that you would remember that he loves you, that you're one of his chosen. And if you do believe when you take it, that you will allow him to transform your mind and your heart to remember who you really are and that you're part of him and that you are a royal priesthood and that you represent him to the world that you live in. So come, all of you come, take and eat. Pastor Ian will be over here and I'll be over here making sure that you have what you need. Come, let's come together. Well, that's kind of why I wanted you to wear your flannel shirts too. We're being knit together. I know it's kind of weird, but each plaid is a little different. Not everybody. I thought about having everybody wear your red and black, like Alan and Chris over here and Darcy, and I think uh, I saw Ronnie Nichols had one of those. But you know what? I wanted to, to demonstrate something. You know, we're all so different, but it's all one. And that's what I want us to understand. We are one. We're one. Not because we're Nazarene. That's okay. But we're one because we're Christ's. Because through Jesus Christ, he has forgiven our sins. And through his blood, he has joined us together. And through his blood, he has begun to make us into that dwelling place here on earth that he will live in forever in us. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Father, right now, you're so good. We love you. We praise you. And as we go from this place, Lord, we go together as one to represent you to the world. As we love each other, they will see you. As we love others, they will see you. Lord, may your love permeate our hearts and lives so much that there's no doubt who we are. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Have a great week.